Well, as you can see, we're reading from Second Timothy today. And Timothy was one of the, those young men that uh, the Apostle Paul mentored. And uh, here he is now writing to him at the end of his life, Paul's life, and he's seeking to encourage him. And he gives him what's entitled a final charge uh, in our Bibles. So we start reading partway through at verse 14. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know that those from whom you learned it and from, sorry, I've got to get this up here, and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now into chapter 4. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering. And the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Um, has anyone anyone seen the movie Castaway with Tom Hanks? Hands up, a few people. All right, well, for those of you who haven't, I'll try not to, to ruin the movie too much, but I'm going to talk a little bit about it. All right, so Castaway, it's uh, it's one of Tom Hanks' okay movies, I think. It's it's pretty good. It's not one of his best, but it's entertaining. It's good. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. Um, so in, uh, in that movie, in Castaway, Tom Hanks plays the character Chuck Nolan. Uh, and Chuck is a guy who works for the company FedExpress in America. And uh, at the start of the movie, he's in a plane. He's flying over the Pacific Ocean on his way to Malaysia uh, for, you know, work-related stuff. Anyway, a storm hits, uh, and the plane goes down into the Pacific Ocean, and Tom Hanks is thrown into the, uh, the stormy waters uh, during the storm. But as the plane is going down, one of the pilots 
throws a, a life raft to Tom Hanks, not like a big life raft, it's kind of in a little container. So he's clutching that to his chest and the plane's going down, the pilots are screaming, the air hostess is screaming, Chuck was screaming, I was screaming as I was watching it. This is a pretty terrifying scene. Uh, anyway, the plane goes down, it hits the water and Chuck is sucked under the water's raging depths. A very kind of epic and scary scene to watch. And he would have been done for if not for this life raft. So he pulls the cord in this life raft when he's still underwater and it it expands underwater and sucks him up to the surface and he clambers over the side of the life raft into the safety of the boat as the waves are crashing around the place and he's in the safety there. And he eventually rocks up at a a deserted island and lives there for a while, becomes friends with the soccer ball. It's all really nice. Um, you You should check it out. But anyway, why why is Jack telling me about Castaway is the question that's in your head at the moment, which is a great question. Well, <laughs> beside it being a good movie that I reckon you should probably check out, I think that this is what uh, Timothy is kind of facing, this kind of thing. Not, you know, being in a boat and not being in the ocean, rocking around the place. But I think this is what Paul is getting at when he's talking to Timothy about being grounded in Scripture. See, for Chuck, if he wasn't smack bang in the middle of that raft in the ocean with the storm raging around the place, he would have been completely done for. Now in 2 Timothy 3, Paul's urging Timothy to be grounded in Scripture. In other words, stay in the boat. In this tough time that Timothy is going through in the church, stay grounded in Scripture. That is what Paul is saying to Timothy. And that's what we're thinking through today. As followers of Christ... We're to be grounded in Scripture, grounded in God's Word. So we're going to be thinking through that now. But as we begin, how about I pray for us, and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the time we have now to approach reading your Word. We pray that as we read it, that you will be teaching us and growing us in our knowledge, in our trust in you, and in knowing what it looks like to live as followers of Christ. Amen. Uh, So... When we're talking about being grounded in Scripture, talking about Scripture, um, what are we talking about? Talking about this, the Bible, which is made up of two parts. You've got the Old Testament and you've got the, the New Testament as well. So when we talk about Scripture, this is what we're talking about, the Bible. And Paul is the author of the passage that we're looking at today. Uh, the Apostle Paul, who wrote a healthy chunk of the New Testament, uh, He was a man called by Jesus to take the gospel and take God's word to Gentiles. So uh, that just means people who weren't Jewish. So that's what Paul was called to do. And uh, while he was writing this particular letter to Timothy, Paul was in prison. He was pretty sure his time was uh, coming to an end. So he wanted to write this letter to Timothy to encourage Timothy to hold to the truth of the gospel in the hard time that Timothy was facing and to remain loyal to following Christ. From verse 8 of 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says this, Do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. So Paul starts off the letter by reminding Timothy of the grace of God. This is what we looked at in our uh, the first week of this series on discipleship. The grace of God, the free gift of salvation from sin through Jesus. So Paul starts off with this reminder to Timothy. Hold fast. Timothy is a young leader in the church and he's facing a hard time, as I said before. 
Uh, he's facing uh, persecution. He's facing troubles inside the church, including false teaching, uh, disloyalty. So he's in some pretty tumultuous waters. But Paul wants Timothy to be grounded in Scripture. Now, I have this question for you as uh, as we begin. Followers of Christ here, why do you read the Bible? If someone came up to you in the street and asked you that question, why do you read the Bible? I wonder what you'd say. We're going to come back to that question at the end because I think Paul helps us to answer that question in 2 Timothy 3. Helps us see why as followers of Christ we should be grounded in Scripture, why we should read the Bible. First of all, he reminds Timothy uh, something about Scripture that anyone uh, who reads the Bible should come to know and understand about Scripture. That takes us to the first point on our outline. Uh, If you're reading through the outline in the leaflet, you're going to have to flick those uh, first two points around on the head. So the first point that we're looking at today is Jesus and Scripture. From verse 14, Paul says this, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. The scriptures are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. If you've uh, read through the study booklet for the Disciples series at all, um, that we're going through at the moment, you might have noticed in the study where it talks about being grounded in scripture that there's a book in the extra reading by a guy called Jeff Robson titled The Book of Books. Now, in the start of this book, Jeff starts by sharing the story of a guy called Galed Kambarami. Now, Kambarami was the general secretary of the Bible Society in Zimbabwe a while ago. And one day he was out on a street corner handing out Bibles to people, handing out the New Testament to people. And uh, he was doing it for free. People were walking by and taking one and then kind of going on their way. Then one guy in particular walked past him and he went to hand him a Bible and the guy said no. I don't want it. I don't want anything to do with the Bible. I don't want anything to do with Christianity. All that book does is pollutes people's mind. Kambarami said, all right, well, at least just take one of these and then you can just hand it off to someone else. And the guy said, no. The only reason I would take that book from you is if you let me tear off its pages to roll up and use as my cigarettes. So Kambarami looked at him again and he said, fine. But you have to promise me one thing. Before you rip out that page, you need to read it first, both sides of it, and then you can do whatever you want with it. So the guy said, all right, that sounds fine. So he said, I'll promise, I'll read it, sure. Um, grabbed the Bible, went on his way. Kambarami was like, okay, this is this is done for. This guy's he's not going to read it. But anyway, a few years later, Kambarami was a guest speaker at a conference, and a guy walked through the crowd, and Kambarami just didn't recognize him because he'd forgotten the man that he handed the Bible to. The man walked through the crowd, and he said this to the people around him and to Kambarami. He said, this man doesn't recognize who I am at all because the last time he saw me, I was a drunkard. I was in a hard time of life. But he handed me a Bible, and I told him all I really wanted it for was for cigarettes, but he made me promise to read each page before I used it. So I kept that promise. I smoked my way through Matthew, and then I smoked my way through Mark. Then I smoked the whole of Luke. It's a big book. But when I got to John chapter 3, verse 16, I couldn't go any further. 
My life was changed forever. I became a follower of Christ. Now John chapter 3 verse 16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever may believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 14, Paul is reminding Timothy of this great truth. Scripture points us first and foremost to Jesus. It points us to our desperate need for him. First and foremost, Scripture leads us to the knowledge of Jesus as the one who brings salvation for those who put their trust in him. I think it's uh, good to make it a bit of a distinction here, though, that it's not just the fact that you open up the Scriptures and read Scripture that brings you to salvation. That's uh, That's not what Paul's getting at here. Now, Jesus, in a book of the Bible called John, in chapter 5, is talking to a group of people who think just that. But he says to them in John 5, verse 39, You study the Scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. But these are the very Scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. Scripture points us to Jesus, first and foremost, as the one that brings life as the one that we need to know. That points us towards something really amazing about God and his character that we see in the next verse that comes after, that the power that scripture has to take someone like the man that Kambarami knew and turn him to wanting to follow Jesus, that power doesn't just come from the air. In verse 16, Paul tells Timothy that all scripture is God-breathed, that all scripture comes from God And that's point two today, God in Scripture. Scripture comes from God himself. When you read the first part of that verse, that all Scripture is God-breathed, what's the first thought that comes into your mind? I know for me, when I was younger, I'd read this verse and I'd think, God-breathed? Is that kind of like when I'm in the car, it's a cold day and I just breathe on the window, you know, fog appears and you can write a little message in it for the people on the outside to see then that message just kind of like fades away, unless you've got grubby fingers, then it's there forever. (laughs) When Paul talks about the word being God-breathed, he's saying something completely different to that. It's not a message that some people might be able to kind of see for a little while that disappears. He's saying scripture is the word of God and the word of God always comes with power. If you jump back in your Bibles with me to the very start, to Genesis chapter 1, uh, from verse 1, it should be on page 1 of your Bibles if you've got one from here. I'll, uh, I'll be jumping fairly quickly through a few verses. Uh, but verse 3 says this, it says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. Verse 4, And God said, Let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, let it separate the waters from the other waters, and down a bit below that, and it was so. Verse 9 And God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear. And it was so. Verse 10, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit. And then again, wait for it, wait for it. And it was so. Do you see the pattern of what happens when God speaks, when he uses his word? God uses his word and things get done. He speaks, creation exists, he speaks, and we exist. So for Paul to say that all scripture is God-breathed, Paul's saying this is the authoritative, powerful word of God. 
God's word in scripture is not a message on a car window that will disappear along with the fog, that you can only see for a little while. It comes with power. And it's through this word that he both created us. And as we read in verse 15 of 2 Timothy chapter 3, through which he leads us to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So if God speaks through his word, Paul reckons we should probably listen to it. The God who created us, who saves us from the penalty of sin, which is death, speaks and we should listen. For Timothy, Paul has reminded him uh, that God's word is something he should listen to, but that it is also something that can be used to help him during the difficult time that he's going through. See, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Paul is telling Timothy, rely on God's word. In the crazy stormy waters that you're in, that you feel you are stranded in, stay grounded in God's word. This word that has brought you to knowing and following Jesus, brought you to know God, isn't something that you just turn around and then ignore and stop paying attention to. When you think about it, the fact that God speaks to us through his word makes us wise for salvation through faith in Christ and provides this practical instruction, brings us to a great reality about God and about God's character. It's that God wants a relationship with us. That is not a distant God who just leaves us to our own devices and then steps back. But Paul wants Timothy to know this. You are in a relationship with God. He speaks to you through his word, through scripture. So listen to it. It's the active word of God that brings people to knowledge of him and that has practical use. Firstly, Paul has said that scripture is useful for teaching. Back in verse 13, uh, 13, 14 even, I, uh, I think Paul makes it pretty clear about scripture and how it is to be used for teaching. Scripture that comes from God is to be used to teach people about God, right? That they might become wise for salvation through faith in Christ. Timothy is to use God's word to teach people about God. Secondly, Paul says that scripture is useful for rebuking, which means revealing, convicting people of their error, of their ways in a way that brings them back to the truth of scripture and to following Christ. And we know that Timothy is facing the challenge of dealing with people in the church who believe and follow false teaching in a way that they shouldn't. Timothy can use scripture to rebuke them, to turn them back to following God's word or any other word. And thirdly, Paul says, scripture is useful for correcting, steering people away from falsehood, away from false teaching, and back towards the truth that is from scripture. Timothy doesn't need to partake in debates and controversy. He doesn't need to rely on his own brain, his own willpower, the strength of his words. Paul is saying, you have God's word. That is what you are to rely on. That is what you are to use. That's what's going to get the job done. And then lastly and very practically, Paul says that scripture is useful for training in righteousness. When you read that verse, I don't know if you like me and you think of Rocky Balboa with Eye of the Tiger kind of blasting in the background. But there is practical application of scripture, training in righteousness. That we might grow more and more in godliness as we listen to and as we follow God's word. So that, in verse 17, the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
God works through his word to teach, rebuke, correct and grow people in godliness. Well, he equips us to live for him. As we do the good works that Ephesians chapter 2 reminds us that God's already put there for us to do. Reading scripture is not just an intellectual endeavour that we can enjoy whenever we feel like it. It's actually an immensely practical part of our relationship with the living God. And if God speaks to us in this way, we should listen. We should actually think through what we're reading as well as seeking to apply it to our lives. Which takes us to point three, us and scripture. Now, Paul wants Timothy to know just how serious he is about what he has to say next at the start of chapter 4. Paul doesn't say, now Timothy, I reckon maybe this could be a good way about going about things, right? He doesn't say, Timothy, maybe this could work. If you come over here, we could workshop this thought a little bit and we could see where it takes us. He's not saying that. Paul was very confident in chapter 4 verse 1. He says, in the presence of God... And of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Listen to what I have to say now. This is important. This is what Paul is saying. And he says, preach the word. If God's word is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, if God's word is how we can learn about God and how to live for him, Paul is saying to Timothy, use it. Don't just keep it in here. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Don't just ignore it or look at it. In season and out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. I thought the kids talk was a great example of this joke. But Joe said, no, I don't really feel like doing this. Paul's saying, in season and out of season. When you feel like it, when you don't feel like it. Preach the word. Timothy is to think about how he uses God, God's word, not to handle it flippantly, but to acknowledge that it has power and to preach it whether he feels like it or not. Because Paul continues to tell Timothy that he knows that Timothy is going to come up against even harder times. In verse 3, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So Timothy has a task ahead of him, a hard task ahead of him. There are going to be people who don't want to hear what is true, but people who are going to want to hear just what they want to hear, what feeds their desires. Now for us today, that freedom to think what we want and to an extent act in the way that we want, is actually something that our culture in Australia really, really values, isn't it? And it's something that I'm grateful for, that for us as Christians, we can live openly as Christians and that we don't face the kind of persecution that other Christians do overseas. It's a good thing. And yet it also presents a really great danger for those who do follow Jesus because it is always easier to hear what we want to hear rather than hearing the things that we need to hear. Selective hearing, when we're told to do one thing but we choose to hear another. Like someone who wants a car being told, don't go and steal that car. But they really want that car, so they search out someone who might have the same idea as them, might want a new car as well, and they justify what they're going to do by choosing to hear the voice that says, steal that car. 
it's all right, steal that car and act on that voice rather than the word that steers them away from what is obviously wrong. Now for us, are there areas in your life where you want to hear one thing but you need to hear another thing? It could be in the way that you handle money. It could be in the way you handle your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your husband or wife. In the way that you use the internet and the different things you're clicking on on the web browsers. In the way you treat your co-workers at work, in the way you act with your friends on the weekends. Is it in the way that you handle substances like alcohol? Are there areas where you have this selective hearing? God's word, scripture, has a habit of revealing these things in our lives and convicting us of our need to change them. As followers of Christ, we're called to listen to God's word and to act on it, not to just ignore it. Because we do have a personal one-to-one relationship with God. And it's something we can all use scripture for in our own lives and as we live and do life together as a church for one another. All scripture is God-breathed, is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. But don't just take my word for it. Up here, don't just take Mike's word for it when he's up the front talking or Peter when he's preaching or guest speakers or even the song lyrics when we're looking through those because it is God's word that is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, not any human voice. So test what you hear against scripture. Open up your Bibles and read them. Because compared to the powerful, authoritative word of God, any other voice really is just like that message that's been scrolled into the foggy window of a car that's just going to disappear. Listen to God's word, be grounded in his word, so that you don't stray from following him. Paul goes on, verse 5, to tell Timothy, But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. So Paul fully acknowledges that this is going to be a hard time for Timothy. That he has a task ahead of him that he needs to be faithful to and that it's God's word and God's word alone that's going to enable him to do these things, to lead this church well. He needs to be grounded in scripture if he's going to be a faithful disciple of Christ. And that's something that is true for each one of us as well. But Paul finishes this small segment of scripture by speaking about his own experience. Paul at this time is in prison and he believes his time is short. He doesn't have long to go. Verse 6, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Paul isn't bragging here about what a great job he's done. That's not what he's saying. He's simply stating that his time is up. He's looking forward to a future with Jesus when Jesus is going to return because he knows that like him, all who have faith in Christ are looking forward to that time when Jesus will appear again and those who follow Christ, who are in a relationship with him, will go to eternity with him crowned with righteousness by the righteous judge. This is what Paul is looking forward to. This is what he's lived his life in light of. And Paul wants Timothy to hold fast to this as well, to hold fast to his faith in Christ until the very end, 
knowing that Christ is returning. Ask the question at the start, why do you read the Bible? If someone came up to you on the street and asked you that question, what would you say? If someone asked me that question, I think I'd say something along the lines of this. I believe that the Bible is God's word and he speaks to us and teaches us about himself through that. I read the Bible because I'm in a relationship with God and it helps me to get to know him better. How would you answer that question? If you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ, I have a bit of a different question for you. Are you willing to think through the possibility that God wants a relationship with you? And are you willing to listen to him? Because the Bible is the place to start to help you think through that question. If you came along with a friend, why not ask them to open the Bible with you sometime? Starting at a book like Mark's Gospel was a really great start. Uh, It's one of the Gospels in the New Testament that tells of Jesus' life, death and resurrection. And as we were reminded today, Scripture points us towards Jesus. So why start anywhere else other other than trying to get to know him? Or if you have questions about Jesus, about Scripture, don't let those questions just go stale. Ask someone, ask your friends, ask Mike or myself, or even just write it on a communication card if you're more comfortable doing that with some contact details because we'd love to help you think through those questions. You may be very surprised by what happens. If you're here today and you're a follower of Christ, you might be struggling to find time to actually open up God's word because if we're honest, life gets very hectic sometimes. But I want to encourage you, even if it's just for 10 minutes in the morning before you get up, before you start getting ready for work or for uni or you know getting the kids up and getting them ready for school, open up God's word, set a timer, And read it until the time stops, for however long that is. And then think about it throughout the rest of the day. Ask God to to grow you as a follower of Christ as you do this. To finish, we uh, we learn something else about being grounded in Scripture that's right at the very start of 2 Timothy 3 verse 14 uh, that Paul actually comes back to again in chapter 4 that I think is a great point to finish on. Paul reminds Timothy that he should be grounded in what he already knows from Scripture and he also reminds him of how he first came to hear it. He heard it and he learnt it from others. It didn't just kind of come to him one day. I'm not sure if you remember the first time you read the Bible or if you can remember the events that happened maybe in your life in the lead up for you to be able to hear it. But for me it all started back, not with my parents but with my uncle Neither my mum or dad were Christians when they were younger and my uncle wasn't either until he joined the Air Force and had to work with a couple of people who were Christians. Now he was an atheist and he thought this is awesome. I get to talk to these people and tell them how stupid they are for what they believe. This is the kind of thing he enjoyed doing, was convincing people that God didn't exist, that Christianity was always sham and the Bible wasn't true. But after a couple of years of working with these guys, the opposite happened. He left the Air Force a Christian, having learnt about Jesus through reading the Bible and being told about him from his work colleagues. He left the Air Force having a relationship with God and wanting to tell others about him. And what does this have to do with me first hearing the Bible? Well, my uncle was very excited about becoming a Christian. So one morning he rocked up on my parents' doorstep 
And it would have been a very welcome visit, I'm sure, had it not been their honeymoon, um, having just been married. It was, yeah, it'll be awkward. Mum and Dad weren't that impressed, to be honest, with him rocking up on their honeymoon. And I don't think I'd really condone that approach of evangelism. But somewhere down the track after this happening, Mum and Dad both become followers of Christ as well. They learnt about Jesus from Scripture. They put their faith in him knowing that he died on the cross for their sins. They wanted to follow him. And then here's the part I come in. My uncle, having become a Christian, and then telling my parents about that and sharing scripture with them. My parents became Christians and then shared scripture with my older brother and then myself. So I grew up reading the Bible until I was old enough, hearing from the Bible until I was old enough to read it for myself. With mum and dad all the while teaching me about God from scripture. Just like Paul reminds Timothy that the word of God was passed on to him and taught to him by others, he's encouraging Timothy to preach to others as well. We are called as well to pass this on to others. Just like Kambarami did for that man at the start in Zimbabwe, just as my uncle did for my parents. This is the person who first showed you the truth of the Bible did for you. Being grounded in Scripture means that we listen to God's Word above all others and that as we are grounded in Scripture and know God because of it, well, we want other people to know this as well. If Chuck Nolan from The Castaway had have had the opportunity to pull someone else into that life raft during the storm to keep them from drowning, I'm sure he would have wanted to do that as well. For us, being grounded in Scripture, listening to God's Word and knowing God through His Word Well, this is something we want to share with other people as well. This great news of a relationship with a God who loves us enough to send his son Jesus to die for us. We want them to know this. It's so amazing that we have a God who wants a relationship with us, who isn't distant, but who speaks to us through his word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your amazing love for us. Shown through your son, thank you that you are a God who isn't distant, but who speaks to us through his word, the Bible. Please help us as a church and as we lead our lives during the week, Lord, that we would be grounded in scripture, that you would constantly be teaching us and growing us in our knowledge of you through your word. Amen.